You are listening to the Yummy Mummy Podcast, episode number 95. Welcome to the Yummy Mummy Podcast, where you will learn brand new and shockingly different tools to lose weight for the last time. And now, here's your host, certified life and weight loss coach, Laura Conley. Oh, hello, Yummy Mummies. Episode 95, this is so fun. We're getting close to 100. Get excited for some big celebrations. And then we're going to have the two-year anniversary. It is going to be a podcast party, like through the end of the year. Oh, so good. Okay. So I had to make the interview with Glennon Doyle a two-parter, aka me (laughs) telling you what I think her best advice ever is. And so much of her advice is so related to, hello, freaking weight loss, freaking freedom, being our best selves ever. So before we dive in, I thought I'd give you a little fun fact. But you know what? Before I do that, because it's super important, you need to go to laraconley.com forward slash school and sign up for the School of Skinny. It is a six-day in-person well, not in person, but over Zoom event. It's free. I'm going to teach you how to be skinny. Skinny meaning weighing what you want, being free from food, weighing your dream weight. That is what skinny means, okay? I don't mean like 92 pounds. No. Okay, so I want you to go to lauraconley.com forward slash school and get yourself signed up. We're going to start on the 13th. You'll get all the details that you need to get in your inbox. Don't worry. We're going to meet every single day at 12 p.m. Mountain Time. And if you can't meet at that time, it's no big deal because I'm going to send you the recording. So we were never taught, hello, we were never taught how to lose weight for the last time. We really weren't. We were taught how to diet. A lot of us actually are really good at dieting. A lot of us are really good at yo-yoing. But what we're not good at is the permanence. And that is what I'm going to teach you. So go get on that list now, Laura Conley forward slash school. So I'm just back, fun life factoid. I'm back from three days on the Colorado River. How much fun. We stand up paddle boarded down the Colorado River. It was, I thought it was going to be like really restorative and relaxing. (laughs) It was an adventure. It was so fun. but. I'm feeling it today. I'm like, oh my God, I need a couple of days to recover. It was totally wild and awesome. We like camped on the beaches of the rivers and actually had really good food. They set it all up for us and just enjoyed it. It was a group of girls. It was totally fun. I highly recommend that you get away with your girlfriends. That is another part of being free. Again, this is personal, right? This is totally a personal choice. Maybe that's not your cup of tea. But, and Glennon speaks to this too. Don't pretend like you can't do it. A lot of us as moms, we act like we can't. And it is uncomfortable to create the family dynamic, to have the hard conversation so that we can have a break from our normal lives. But I really want to encourage you to do that if that is something that you want to do. Okay. So let's hear from a client. One of my clients, Beth, said, at first, I wanted it to be possible, but I didn't believe that it would be. I had all these thoughts that it wouldn't work because it has never worked, but I didn't have anything to lose. 
I really did borrow your belief in me. And once the group started, I leaned into your belief and the master's belief because you guys, if you ever do sign up for the experience, you have access to the Yummy Mummy Master's clients and which is really fun. And that's why the community is so important and so valuable because they also show you that it is possible. They're living, breathing examples of losing weight for the last time. She said, this is working for them. Why can't it work for me? So I want you to borrow what she did, which was borrow my belief in her. She really thought that she was broken. And I promise you guys, we all think this. We all think, I've tried so many times. There really must be something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. I promise that you can solve this for yourself as well. So let's dive in. Let's talk to Glennon Doyle. So I alluded to this a moment ago, but she's talking about martyrdom as a mom. She says, I asked myself, is the decision to continue abandoning yourself really what your children need from you? Mothers have martyred themselves in their children's names since the beginning of time. We have lived as if she who disappears the most loves the most. We have been conditioned to prove our love by slowly ceasing to exist. What a terrible burden for children to bear, to know that they are the reason their mother stopped living. What a terrible burden for our daughters to bear, to know that if they choose to become mothers, this will be their fate too. Because if we show them that being a martyr is the highest form of love, that is what they will become. They will feel obligated to love as well as their mothers loved after all. They will believe they have permission to live only as fully as their mothers allowed themselves to live. If we keep passing down the legacy of martyrdom to our daughters, with whom does it end? Which woman ever gets to live? And when does the death sentence begin? At the wedding altar, in the delivering room? Whose delivery room? Our children's or our own? When we call martyrdom love, we teach our children that when love begins, life ends. This is why Young suggested, there is no greater burden on a child than the unlived life of a parent. Oh, I mean, I don't even have to say anything about that. It's so good. But you do have to understand that if you've been somebody that has been a martyr, first of all, you're not wrong or bad. This is just what you were taught, right? It shows up when you use your kids as excuses for you not doing what you want to do, right? It will be uncomfortable to let go of that identity and step into the identity of somebody who puts themselves at the top of the list. It will be really uncomfortable. You can go back to the old ways though. I do want to offer you that. You don't have to put yourself at the top of the list forever, I mean, of course I want you to, but I say that so that you can just try it on as an experiment so that it doesn't have to be this permanent thing, right? Just try it on, see what happens. And there might be some upheaval in your life. A lot of people, a lot of partners, a lot of older kids don't like it at first when their mothers put themselves first, right? And a lot of partners and a lot of kids actually do. I'll tell you, my family loves that I put myself at the top of the list because then they get the best version of me right? I take care of myself so that I can take care of them. 
authentically, truly, for real. Glennon goes on to say, when Chase was little, we'd find him at our kitchen table drawing maps of the world and making lists of every country on earth and its capital. He'd pass entire afternoons writing his own song lyrics and we'd collect little poems he left all over the house. When he turned 13, we bought him a cell phone because he desperately wanted one and we wanted to make him happy. Slowly, we watched him fade away. He stopped drawing maps and reading and writing and we stopped finding poems around the house. When he was with us, I could sense his need to be there instead. So even when he wasn't on his phone, he was gone. He was just hovering among us. His eyes changed. They became a little duller and heavier. They'd been the brightest eyes I'd ever seen. And then one day they just weren't. In his phone, Chase had found a place easier to exist than inside his own skin. That was tragic because inside the itchiness of our own skin is where we discover who we are. When we are bored, we ask ourselves, what do I want to do with myself? We are guided towards certain things, a pen and paper, a guitar, the forest in the backyard, a soccer ball, a spatula. The moment after we don't know what to do with ourselves is the moment we find ourselves right after the itchy boredom is self-discovery. But we have to hang in there long enough without bailing. This is so good. I mean, this is just so good. It's great parenting advice, right? But what I also think is so cool about this excerpt is how she's talking about boredom. And a lot of my clients do eat for boredom. I know I used to all the time and that's emotional eating. And I, she gives us a carrot, right? Because she's saying like, look, if you're willing to be bored without eating, on the other side of that is ourselves, is self-discovery right? Is our truest desires. So I want to encourage you to stay with your boredom instead of pick up your phone or instead of grabbing a handful of whatever, instead of picking at the kids' leftovers, be bored. Let yourself be in that itchiness. And on the other side is relief. So good. I love that one. Glennon says, so I'd place headphones over my watermelon baby at night and play audiobooks about brave, complicated women After they were born, I'd rock my daughters to sleep with stories about women who had broken out of their culture's cages to live free and offer their gifts to the world. As they grew, we'd go for walks and guess the careers of the women passing by. I bet she's an engineer, a CEO, an Olympic athlete. When another mother jokingly mentioned my daughter's bossiness, I'd say, isn't it great? She's a leader. When my girls lost a game and became furious, I'd say, it's okay to be angry. When they started school and began to consider dimming and shrinking themselves, I'd say, keep raising your hand, honey. You can be bold and brilliant out in the world. You can be sure of yourself and still be a girl. Oh, it's so good. There's really nothing else to say about that, except for that is also a practice. That is really who I am. I'm bold and I'm bossy. (laughs) And sometimes it's uncomfortable to be that in the world, but The other alternative is just, I'm not here for that. I'm not available to dim myself, right? Okay. Glennon goes on to say, when Tish was nine, she and I went to our favorite bookstore together. As we walked inside, Tish stopped and stared at a magazine rack. A wall of cover models, each blonder, thinner, and more vacant than the last. All ghosts and dolls. Tish stared. As usual, I was tempted to distract her, 
hurry her along, put it all behind us. But these messages cannot be put behind us because they are everywhere. Either we leave our kids alone to make sense of them or we wade in with them. I put my arm around Tish and we quietly looked at the covers together for a moment. Me, interesting, isn't it? What story are they telling you about what it means to be a woman? Tish, I guess that women are very skinny and blonde and have white pale skin and wear a lot of makeup and tall shoes and barely any clothes. Me, what do you think about that story? Look around the store. Do the women in the store match the idea about women these magazines are selling? Tish looked around. A gray-haired employee was straightening books near us. A Latina woman was flipping through a paperback on the memoir table. A very pregnant woman with blue punky hair was wrangling with a cookie-eating toddler. Tish, no, not at all. I love this because we cannot expect that we do the work and then we're done. Like that is my mission is to free one mom at a time. So we free our sons and daughters of diet drama and yo-yoing and allow them to have a healthy relationship with their bodies and food. But we also have to (laughs) help them to interpret the world. And so I love how she did this with Tish because it's relaxed. She's not in a rush. She's just asking questions, right? And I think that is so cool because instead of like shoving down her beliefs, instead of Glennon shoving her beliefs down her daughter's throat, she's just asking questions and she's allowing Tish to come up with her own beliefs, right? And her own way of thinking. So I'm totally taking, no pun intended, a page out of her book in terms of how to have these conversations. And I don't want you guys to think that there's a right or a wrong way in terms of how to have these conversations. There's not. It's just let's have them and let's do them imperfectly and let's stumble and fall along the way because that is so much better than not having them at all. Okay, let's go. Okay, so just we're all of a sudden in an R-rated podcast. So plug your earmuff your kids if they're in the car. So although... People always say that on their podcasts. They're always like, oh yeah, this is going to be sensitive. So if your kid, I'm like, my kids like would never, (laughs) they would like flip the fuck out if I was, there I go already. They would flip out if I was like listening to a podcast for like a half an hour in the car. I mean, they would be like, mom, can we listen to Encanto now? Okay. Anyways, so our rating. Glennon says, This kind of porn is sold by people who are like drug dealers. They sell a product that fills people with a rush that feels like joy for a short while, but then becomes a killer of real joy. Over time, people prefer the rush of drugs to the real joy of life. Many who start watching porn very young will get hooked on the rush. Eventually, they will find it hard to enjoy real sex with real human beings. It's so good. It's such an analogy for food. There are so many companies. I mean, it's a billion dollar industry. The food industry really is. I know it's harsh, but they are like drug dealers, right? Their job is to get us to get the biggest amount of hit from their food so that we keep coming back. And it does exactly what porn does. It actually desensitizes our dopamine receptors. So that way we have to have more of it in order to get the same hit. So 
I just thought that was really interesting. Like there are these secret kind of drug dealers out there that are legal, but that are really ruining the true pleasures for us, right? When we all, when all we're doing is thinking about food or drinking or porn, there's a problem. We're not free. And it robs us of the beauties of the Colorado River or whatever, the sky, your children laughing, right? Okay. Moving on, Glennon, let's go. Page 216. We got to find page 216. She says, the images of women's bodies for sale, the onslaught of emaciated women's bodies held up as the pinnacle of female achievement and the pervasive message that women exist to please men is the air I breathed. I lived in a mine and the toxin was misogyny. I got sick from it, not because I'm a bad sexist person, but because I was breathing misogynistic air. Whew. So good. So I just want you to take this because so many of us want to feel so much shame and so much guilt because we have an issue with food, right? Because we have an issue with our bodies. It's not your fault. It's the air you are breathing. It's the mag- magazine stands that you walk up to that are just there. So you have to give yourself permission to heal this, even though it's not your fault, right? I do believe it is our responsibility to heal this, but it doesn't mean that it's your fault that you've hated your body, that you've yo-yoed, that you've fill in the blank, right? That you've attributed your worth to your thinness. That is because you simply live in our culture. It's not because you're bad or wrong. It's not because your parents were bad or wrong. It's just because of our culture. And it is now our jobs, unfortunately, right? Or fortunately, (laughs) to heal this once and for all so that we can pass down a better legacy to our children around body image, around, like, let's give them better, cleaner air to breathe. Glennon says, the thing that gets me thinking and questioning most deeply is a leader who warns me not to think or question. I won't passively outsource my faith and my children's faith to others. I am a mother and I have responsibilities to all children, not just my own. When hate or division is being spread in our religious institutions, we have three choices. One, remain quiet, which means we agree. Two, loudly challenge power and work like hell to make change. Three, take our families and leave. The thing I love about this is not so much, I mean, I like the, I like her whole point, but when it comes, I'm going to make an analogy from religion to food. I think so many of us are looking outside of ourselves so that we can learn from some expert nutritionist or some Kim Kardashian dietitian person. Like we're looking outside of ourselves. We're not questioning what someone else is telling us to eat or do. And I hate that for us because then it's not our own. And so inside the Yummy Mummy experience, I teach every single client how to think for themselves and how to question everything so that they can find not only their best physical health, not only they can find the best plan for what to eat and not to eat for them, but so that they really can learn like, huh, 
I'm actually the one. I don't have to keep looking at outside of myself for the answers. That's what I did for so long with my health. I'm like, what are you doing? What diet are you doing? Oh, maybe that's what I should do. Oh, let me read this book. Let me Google this. It's like, no, the answers are within. My body will tell me if I cue in and I give you that exact process. So I know it's a little bit of a stretch to go from religion to dieting, but we, ha- we haven't been taught in religion. Maybe, I don't know about your religion, but actually in the religion that I was brought up in, that actually is, and some people don't think that my religion. So I grew up in the Unitarian Universalist Church, which is all about teaching you to think for yourself, all about teaching you how to figure out what you believe, what's authentic to you, which is really cool. Some people don't think that's a real religion, but this is not a religious podcast, you guys. This is not a religious conversation. But I know it's a stretch, but I do think that we find so much freedom and peace when we find the answers that really are inside. Okay, going on, moving on to 62. We got to talk about, she says, we are like computers and our beliefs are the software with which we're programmed. Often our beliefs are programmed into us without our knowledge by our culture, community, religion, and family. Even though we don't choose those subconscious programs, they run our lives. They control our decisions, perspectives, feelings, and interactions. So they determine our destiny, what we believe we become. There is nothing more important than unearthing what we really believe to be true about ourselves and our world, and nothing unearths what we really believe faster than examining what pisses us off. Yes. Oh my God, that's so good. That is literally why I invite my clients to weigh themselves. (laughs) because that freaking scale will piss you off. And you know why it pisses you off? Because of a belief that's inside your brain that's been programmed in there, probably by our culture. But the best news is you can reprogram it. You can upgrade that software, teach you exactly how to see that number as neutral and just a data point. Whereas we used to, or you maybe right now, want to see that number as, oh, this means I'm gross. This means I'm fat. This means I'm not valuable. This means I suck. This means I'm not pretty. This means I can't go to the party tonight. Now it's such bullshit, right? So I love looking like if you are angry about something, really that anger is just asking you to question. So cool. So good. Okay. Oh, this is so good. Okay. Lennon says, the other day a friend was describing getting a cavity filled at the dentist and she said, it's not even the pain I hate the most, it's the anticipation of the pain. I'm sweating, panicking, waiting for it to hurt terribly bad. It never does, but it feels like it's always about to. I said, yes, that is how I feel all the time. (laughs) Okay, so this is totally optional. And I think so many of us feel this before we do a diet or before, especially when we come into the yummy, yummy experience, we're like, oh my God, it's going to be so uncomfortable. And oftentimes it's not uncomfortable. It's the anticipation of that's the worst. And then when we're in it, we're like, oh, this is not that bad at all. In fact, it's not even a big deal. It's totally fine. Right. And then you have a beautiful mouth because you went to the dentist or a beautiful body or a beautiful relationship with your body and your health. (laughs) when you're willing, right? So just remember, sometimes the anticipation is way worse 
than the actual, like not having the cupcake, especially in the way that I teach you to do it, right? Okay. Glennon says, I think of what she said to me every day. She was saying, playing dumb, weak, and silly is a disservice to yourself and to me and to the world. Every time you pretend to be less than you are, you steal permission from other women to exist fully. Don't mistake modesty for humility. Modesty is a giggly lie, an act, a mask, a fake game. We have no time for it. Ooh, she's referring to Dr. Maya Angelou who said, modesty is a learned affectation. You don't want modesty, you want humility. Humility comes from the inside out. I really love that. And I stand by that every day. Well, most days, (laughs) let's be honest. Most days, I really do think it is my responsibility, again, to go back to that word responsibility, to show up and be myself, even if it's super uncomfortable because it gives permission to other women to be themselves. And what a beautiful world if we're all out there, uncomfortable, yet ourselves. That would be so cool and so fun. On this girl's trip that I was just on, I think that was one of the highlights is that the women on that trip were like strong, badass women. They didn't play down their strengths. It was so cool to see. It was so unique. You don't always get that. Okay, Glennon is talking about her relationship. She says, I replied, it's true. We are terribly lucky. It is also true that we imagined this life before it existed. And then we each gave up everything for the one in a million chance that we might be able to build it together. We did not fall into this world we have now. We made it. I'll tell you this, the braver I am, the luckier I get. Oh my God, that one makes me want to cry. Because do you do that? I used to do this all the time. (laughs) I used to be like, oh my God, it's so unfair that she's skinny is what I would say. Oh, it's so unfair that she is so skinny. Like she is so lucky. And it's like, maybe she is lucky. Maybe not though. I mean, I'm always so grateful that I had to do this journey or that I chose to, to do this journey because the byproducts, the unexpected benefits are like the list is hundreds of pages long. I'm not even joking, but I want you to be careful because we want to do that as humans. We want to be like, oh, they're so lucky that they got that promotion or they're so lucky that they just get to rock that bikini or weigh their dream come true weight. And it's like, maybe they're lucky or maybe they're brave, right? I love that. My husband always says, you make your own luck. And it's like, yeah, and that takes bravery. So all of my yummy mummies honestly had to be willing to be brave. They had to be willing to be courageous. And that feeling of courage feels like ass. It does not feel good. But on the other side of it is total bliss. But be careful when you say, oh, they're so lucky they have this relationship. Like people will say that about my marriage. Like, oh, you're so lucky like that Brian blah, blah, blah does whatever. And I'm like, maybe, but like we also work our fucking asses off at our relationship. Like we really do. It's easy now because we've been brave and we've been courageous over the years and we'll have to be brave and courageous in the coming years, most likely. I'm like, oh, we already went through that really hard time. Can we just like coast for the next 60 years? Anyways, so the braver you are, the luckier you get, okay? So if you're brave enough to take the leap to do the yummy mommy experience or to lose weight for the last time in whatever way, shape or form you wanna do that, it will feel like down the line, like luck, like, oh my God, how did I get so lucky? 
But then you'll remember, oh yeah, I put in all this work. <laughs> okay, you guys, I've got a couple more excerpts and then we're going to end. Oh my gosh, this one is my favorite. We have like a theme for this part too. Okay, so she says, Abby smiles, comes over to kiss me on the cheek, then walks out the front door. I stare at my computer. I have so many questions. Why does she get to have fun? Who has the time and money for fun? I'll tell you who, everyone in this family but me. Craig has soccer and Chase has photography and the girls have everything, right? Everyone has a thing but me. Must be nice to have time for a thing. This must be nice thought stops me. It always does. Maybe it is nice. Maybe that's why they all want a thing. Maybe I want a thing. You guys, this goes back to the martyrdom that she was talking about and that I was talking about, right? You get to have a thing. You get to have a thing. You get to have fun. We forget that we get to have fun, that we get to have the best lives ever. Do not forget it, okay? So that's another way that the martyrdom will show up in our culture and in our brains is like, ugh, it's unfair. Like, how come they all get to have it? right? It's like, how could I have it? I was, somebody, an acquaintance was talking about how she has to make dinner for her husband every single night. And it's like, no, you fucking don't. No, you don't. You can do whatever you want. You might want to make dinner for your husband every night, but you definitely don't have to. And a lot of us feel like we have to make dinner for our husbands or our partners, or we have to fill in the blank. And the reality is we don't but we keep doing it because we don't want to feel an emotion. We don't want to feel the uncomfortable emotion of their reaction, right? They might say something or do something which would make us have a thought and then we would feel uncomfortable or guilty or fill in the blank. Okay, you guys, this is what we are going to end on. Last excerpt from Glennon. I'm sitting on my couch between two friends sipping coffee. My dog's asleep in my friend Saskia's lap. We're all listening to Ashley tell her story about staying in the hot yoga room until it made her sick. After she says, I mean, the door wasn't even locked. The room falls quiet. Ashley has said something important. Saskia rubs the dog's head. Karen squints her eyes. I think this. The truth of my 30s was, stay on your mat, Glennon. The staying is making you. The truth of my 40s is, I'm made. I will not stay, not ever again, in a room or conversation or relationship or institution that requires me to abandon myself. When my body tells me the truth, I'll believe it. I trust myself now, so I will no longer suffer voluntarily or silently or for long. I'll look at those women to my left and right who must stay because it's that time for them, because they have to know what love and God and freedom are not before they can know what love and God and freedom are, because they want to know, because they are warriors. I'll send them every bit of my strength and solidarity to help them through this part. And then I'll pick up my mat and slowly, deliberately, lightly walk out, because I have just remembered that the sun is shining, the breeze is cool, and these doors, they're not even locked. Oh my gosh, mic drop, Glennon. Guys, the doors are not locked. You are not in a cage. We're not in a cage. And that is where the awareness, I always say awareness gets such a bad rap, but just becoming aware of like, ooh, don't make yourself bad or wrong. Don't make the people in your life bad or wrong for it. But ooh, 
Maybe I am in a metaphorical cage, but the doors are never, ever locked. Hi, baby. You want to get her nails done? Okay. It's time for hiking. Okay. All right, you guys, it's time for hiking over here at my house. So we're going to go on a really fun hike with one of my oldest friends. We're going to go see Natalie Luna. (laughs) Yeah. On our hike. So I hope that was helpful. She has been, I think, such a great teacher for our generation, the geriatric millennials. No, I'm just kidding. All of us, just this time, I think she's just amazing. Let me know if this was helpful for you. Go sign up for the School of Skinny, lauraconley.com forward slash school. And let's get started. We start September 13th. So get yourself on the list. You'll get every email you could possibly need. September 13th. Yeah. That's in like a little over a week. And I don't know whose birthday it is, but your birthday is coming up. My daughter's birthday is about to be here. You're going to be five. Yeah. And it says, birthday is going to come up first. You get to go first. And my birthday is coming up first, so I got to go first. Oh, my God. How lucky were you? But the seaweed. Oh, no way. Okay. Say bye to the yummy mummies. Bye. Bye. Have the best day ever. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, I would love it. Love it. If you leave a rate, review, and a subscribe on whatever you're listening to this podcast in. Pretty, pretty pleased with a cherry on top. It would help me so much and it would help all the other mamas out there hear this message. Thank you in advance. I really appreciate it. And you have to come check out the Yummy Mummy Experience. It's my proven lose weight for the last time group coaching and course. Head to lauraconley.com and just click work with me. Other than that, you guys, I would love to give you a free gift. If you want your free listener only gift, go to lauraconley.com forward slash gift. And from there, you will get your free best ever weight loss hack. So cool. The last thing I want to tell you, you guys, is I do have a free Facebook group. It's called, you guessed it, The Yummy Mummy. Lose weight for the last time, end body drama, and get food freedom. You can just search that on Facebook, or again, you can head to the show notes and you'll find the link there. All right, you guys, have the best day ever. Thank you.